Hi, friends, and welcome to the Story Forge podcast. I'm Lyle Smith, your host, and this conversation today is really what I had in mind when I originally started this podcast, these kinds of conversations. Um, so I'll start with a question. What does it take to launch a startup? Now wait, what does it take to launch a startup, a dream entrepreneurial adventure in the midst of a global health crisis unlike anything we've ever seen? I haven't spoken to a true startup entrepreneur here yet, a true tech startup venture, Uh, but Andy Quintana is someone I met and got to know over the past few years. We met at the local co-working space slash incubator called Groundswell. It's a great place with a lot of great, smart, fun, interesting, and ambitious people. But Andy and I got to talking, and his background is from sales organizations in the corporate world. So maybe you'd think he's not exactly the right fit to jump into entrepreneurship with both feet. But in sales, he says, you always need to have an entrepreneurial mindset. That seems strange to me at first, but as he took the time to describe it, it all made the most sense possible. And regarding launching during a pandemic, he said basically, it's ready, and jumped in carrying nothing but confidence and he launched Slide Deck in March. He has an interesting take on things. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Here we go. You can always edit. (laughs) We can edit this part out if we need to. So, um, so how's it going? How are things, how are things in your neck of the woods? Great. Great. I mean, uh, it's, it's moving along. So that's always exciting. And, and there's always uh, new adventures every day that you have to deal with. So um, part of fighting fires and, and being an entrepreneur is that. So. Absolutely. Well, the thing, the thing that, that made me want to talk to you, Andy, is, is really, it's going back a few months when uh, you put that first post up, sort of doing the public release of slide deck and, and letting the world know you're out there open for business and all that kind of stuff. And I remember, I, I don't even remember, I think it was a post that you put up that I responded to. And, and I, I said something like, you know, ballsy move <laughs> opening this up in the midst of a global health crisis. So, um, and I remember your response being, you know, something along the lines of, you know, damn the torpedoes full speed ahead, kind of a, kind of an attitude. So, um, How's it been going? I mean, this is, this is, I, I, I really, you know, my first immediate response was like, uh-oh. Uh, but um, it was kind of inspiring too, to say, you know, oh, you know what, we have something that's good for people. It's, 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 it's a digital product. It's, you know, let's, you know, why wait? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's funny. You, you bring that up because uh, in hindsight, yeah, it was a crazy ballsy move. Um, but we were we were going down a path, right? And I think uh, you, you see this um, grit and passion in, in all entrepreneurs, right? And, and especially the, the successful ones. And I think uh, no matter what's going on, uh, you got to keep going. You got to keep moving forward. And COVID hit. We launched in I think it was the end of March, mm-hmm. um, and we just started running. Um, you know, at the time we thought we launched, we had a full product release and lo and behold, I think in hindsight, we, we take a look at what we launched in March and it was nowhere near product release. That was really our beta. It was probably our, our MVP, um, maybe beta. 
<laughs> and but I didn't know that at the time, right? I think we had launched a beta version in January. We had launched a, an MVP, or sorry, a beta version in February, MVP in in January, and we thought we had enough data and gathered some feedback and and iterated on that, and that that's how we came up with the launch in March. But mm-hmm. come you know July, we've had conversations with clients, we've had conversations with prospects, we've had conversations outside of that, and we realized. Yeah, what we launched in March really wasn't, you know, full production. <laughs> I mean, it right. was it was in production, but it it the the tool wasn't rounded out well enough. And um, it's been great because we we kept gathering feedback, we kept gathering data, we kept uh, iterating on the software, and and what uh, happened in turn is that late July, early August, we really felt like we now had a full product launch, and right. and that feeling was good. You know, had we stopped. Right. In March, had we not launched, I don't think we would have been here. I, I don't think we would have gotten to end of July, early August, full product launch. And right. it was, it was uh, in my eyes, it was perfect timing. Now, we thought about COVID and how do we pivot. And the reality is that uh, we were building a tool that helps remote selling. And so there was not really a need to pivot, maybe from a messaging standpoint and maybe on what we were uh, kind of marketing, but the reality is the tool was there and it was built for remote selling. Right, right. And that's, that's one of the things I thought was really interesting about it in the first place, just as a, because I remember we talked about it before all this uh, COVID stuff started happening. And um, you gave me kind of the sneak preview of everything. And um, it was, uh, I, I thought it was a great tool. It's a fantastic tool, uh, a great way of, of tracking, you know, well, you, t- you tell me what it is. I mean, I'll, I, I, I could go describe it, but, um, <laughs> you know, you, yeah. it's your product. You talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Look, so, Lyle, I mean, I think it, it started off as one thing, and uh, today we've got a very much refined vision of where we want to go with it and what right. it is. and. And today I feel like it's an engagement platform <clears throat> and it's an engagement platform that circles around documents. And so just like a picture, you know, tells a thousand words, uh, you know, there's, there's a, an element of a document that it tells a story. So right. think about a, a passport, a passport gives you a lot of information. It tells you where the person's been, how long they've been there. And, and they, these documents are living and breathing and they tell a story. And I, I feel like it's the same when you're in B2B sales and you're talking about, or it could be business to consumer, but you're talking about um, a presentation or you deliver a presentation or you're giving an ebook or you're given a white paper. These documents have a story to tell and it's not the text on the paper. Right. It's, it's what the person does with it, right? It, in my opinion, right, is we believe that it tells us some buying behavior uh, aspects. We believe that it tells us the interest that the individual might have in this particular document and in the relationship and the conversation that we're building and, uh, and that sales process. Right. And we believe that uh, it can be an engaging piece of material. Right. So, um, you know, that's, that's really sort of an interesting, interesting perspective on it. Cause I remember when, when we first looked at it, it was, it was sort of a way of tracking, uh, the journey of a sales proposal, who touches it, for how long, what areas of it they seem they spend more time on. So that clues you into 
ideally what they find most interesting or most important to them. Uh, but then, you know, as you talk about it now, it really is, it's, 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 a, it's, it's a journey of a document. It's a, it's a, how does, how does that document live in the world? And, um, you know, as a story guy that I find that sort of fascinating and, and that's, it makes it really actionable other than just, oh, here's this proposal, sign it or don't, you know, it's much more, um, robust, uh, amounts of information. Yeah. And, and look, I, I, I agree. And I, you know, the, the, the signature doc, sign your documents are all, all over. There's plenty of tools. There's a market for that. And yeah. that's great. Cause we can integrate those. We can pop a link into our, our uh, viewer of documents and, right. and you can go off and sign it. But we're really in the aspect of what happens in between the first call a salesperson has with a prospect and the last call where you know they're going to get the signature. Right. And, and a lot happens and you, you could either be wasting your time mm -hmm. or you are actually building some valuable relationships around that. And, and I think those documents along the way that get shared back and forth tell that story. And, and yeah. it tells you where to focus, right? And it's got to help you too in, in the way of, you know, how do you, cause we're all, we're all about learning, right? We're all about, you know, learning things along the way and getting better at what we do. And so, you know, this gives you a chance to see the way you interact with your customers uh, in maybe a, a deeper, ideally more meaningful way uh, that you can apply to the next interaction with a different customer. Yeah, I, I think so, right? And and just having some insight uh, on things that sometimes customers or prospects don't tell you, right? right. They they might be thinking it in their head, but they, they don't blurt it out, right? There's still a trust relationship that has to get built. Right. You, you know, it's, it's uh, giving the seller some insight that could help propagate that trust and that relationship. And so... Right. Um, we, we've got a pretty good idea of where we want to go and, and it's pretty exciting. So, yeah, it's, it's really, it's an, it's a neat thing. And I know you're, you're targeting specific industries, but, um, you know, when I first saw it, it I, I, I could see it working in, you know, just about any, any place where you have a need for an understanding of this kind of communication, really. Um, so it's, I, I think, I think you're really onto something with it. And I, 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 um, I'm excited to see it, um, moving along uh, through all this craziness. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's been tough for everybody. I've, I've talked to a lot of people, a lot of different industries, a lot of different career paths. Um, and, you know, we all end up spending a little time talking about what we've been doing lately as for not doing lately, as far as getting out of the house, out of the home office, off the phone, off the Zoom call. And it's, uh, it's been tricky. Uh, how's that been? Well, here, let me ask you this. I'll start, I'll go back a bit because your career, um, I mean, you're for, you were a, a sort of a, a, a corporate careerist for, for quite a while. I mean, you were at IBM for a, a long time. You were senior VP at Accent, uh, um, technologies and what, what made you think, um, uh, this was the right thing to do, you know, because, you know, a lot of times you, people think of themselves as sort of a corporate track or, a, or, or they're built as a entrepreneur and it's a lot of, it's rare that you jump the tracks into the other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I have seen it, uh, but it is rare. And I'll tell you, 
So I'm a, I'm a chemical engineer by trade and I have a master's degree in management. And so business was always um, in my blood, but I, I have, you know, this technical background that uh, just the way I think problem solving and just the way I, I tackle challenges. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, early in my career, I was a semiconductor manufacturing engineer and that, uh, you know, it was fun, but I, I wanted to be the seller on the other end working with the engineers and, and so I had the, the fortunate opportunity to do that within IBM and I moved into the sales organization and, and in sales, I'll tell you, you, you always have to have an entrepreneurial mindset, right? You've got to be self-motivated. You've got a, a patch or a territory or industries that you cover. Um, there's, you know, we used to say, if you're at the home office, you're not working, right? You should be out with clients. Yeah. Right? And, and that's the, that was the reality of sales and, and you hustle for it, right? You, right. you have to be out there. You try and pack four or five meetings in a day and maybe a happy hour with one of your clients yeah. or prospects. And, and that's how you build relationships. Right. And, and that, you know, went on for 15 years at IBM and uh, some, some of that was in leadership and I went into a, a sales enablement program, but you know, that whole aspect really was, was entrepreneurial. Right. Um, I, I did a few roles in between there that were kind of greenfield. They said, Hey, we don't know what's here. You're, you're stepping into the unknown. And I used to thrive in those environments. Those, those were, those were fun years, right? That <laughs> I kind of did something that didn't have a path already, you know, developed before me. Yeah. There's no um, roadmap, no guidebook. To so, so yeah. So I kind of always had that, right? And and uh, I went to Accent Technologies, a smaller company, right? Went from about four hundred thousand employee company to about a fifty plus employee company, and and uh, it was quite a change. But I I thrived in it. It was challenging. It was fun. Um, it was exciting. I worked with a group of uh, very smart people uh, at both uh, enterprises, and um. You know, I, I, it got to a point where I said, you know, I want to do something on my own. And I'll tell you, if it wasn't for the ecosystem at the local incubator, Groundswell Startups, which you're mm -hmm. familiar with, yep. and, and my wife kind of saying, hey, if you go 10 more years and you're still thinking about this, you're going to regret not doing it 10 years ago. Right. So I had her full support. Uh, and that's what kind of gave me the umph to just jump and go do it. Right. Why not? <laughs> so... Well, it's interesting because we, uh, well, you need that support at home to make anything work, I, I think. Uh, I know that in my own life. Uh, and I am not a natural, you know, I won't say I'm, I'm not a natural entrepreneur, but it's, um, uh, you know, I, I, were, I was an employee for a long, long time. And uh, it, it took my wife, who runs her own business, uh, daughter of a father who runs two of his own businesses, to kind of say, well, could you do this on your own? And, uh, and me to respond <laughs> after a frustrating day working for somebody else saying, gee, you know, I think I could. Um, so it's, 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 you know, taking that jump requires more than just your own confidence, I think, sometimes. It, it does. It, it requires that support system, that encouragement. Um, you know, I, I don't downplay the fact that I have a lot of mentors um, and, and mentor, mentor relationships get built over time. It's not like you meet somebody one day and say, hey, I want you to be my mentor. Right. Um, they do get built over time. And, and 
sometimes naturally they become mentors to you. They, it's, it's people you reach out to to bounce things off of and say, Hey man, am I thinking about this the right way? You know, you've right. got a little more experience or you've got some different experience or perspectives. Right. And, and all of that, you know, ends up being encouraging and, and don't get me wrong. I have mentors that said, don't do it. Yeah. You, you know, just realize it's really <laughs> hard and you, you know, 98% of the people fail in entrepreneurship and, and, but if you're going to do it, you know, go ahead and all in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, yeah. It's still encouraging, you know, you, you hear those messages and you try and figure out, okay, what do I not want to stumble upon that somebody has already stumbled upon that, you know, and, and so you ask a lot of people for advice and, and if that support system is there, which I felt comfortable was there with Groundswell, um, it's awesome. It's, it's a journey that I will, I don't regret starting. Right, right. And, and that's interesting because uh, Groundswell is, um, as you say, the local incubator, it's, it's, a uh, uh, incubator, co-working space, general, you know, rah-rah operation uh, that I, I have liked. I have, I have not been as, as intimately involved as you have. Um, but you, you got there as a, I met you there as a, a mentor in that environment. Uh, how did you get involved in that? You know, um, I think I had just recently moved to the area and, and I was thinking about, you know, um, giving back to the community. We had, we had just moved here. I liked the area. Uh, it was was kind of that small town feel, um, yet not really a small town. Eh, Maybe it's a small city. Um, but I was looking for an opportunity to give back. And to me, that's important because I've had so, so many people mentor me throughout my career and, and just give to me that I felt, Hey, I, and I had been given back throughout the years, but this was a, a time to give back in the community, which I had not done. Right. right? It was, it was always done at the, in the work environment. And so right. um, I felt like I had some skills. I, I went out to Groundswell, had a meeting with one of the founders and, and he said, you know, we, we've got a need for business development skills and sales skills, and, and you've got that. So you want to be a mentor? And, and that's kind of how it happened. And, and it was great. Uh, I love it. I love every day. Sometimes I get asked to speak at different cohort events, and, yep. and that's great. Um, I love giving back. And that, was, and that was about the time Groundswell, I mean, because Groundswell was another one of these things that was just kind of an idea for a long time and, and sort of, you know, let's meet here, let's meet there. And then uh, I, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it's around about the time I, I started paying attention to them was around about the time they got a physical space. That's right. Uh, or a new physical space anyway. And it was, it was the old, um, it was an old indoor skate park or something at one point. It's like a big old garage, concrete garage building. Yeah. That they redid with sort of um, graffiti style arts and containers, the container spaces for offices and it's, it's a, it's a cool space uh, that they kind of invented out of, out of nothing there. Yeah. Uh, like some of the graffiti is still original. So uh, is true? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's so it's a, it's a really cool environment. Yeah. But it's, they've really, you know, and I've, I've dealt with some of these, you know, back in my New Jersey days, there was a place called Coworks that that's, uh, incubator co-working space and all these that I've, that I've been familiar with. So I was, that, that's what was attractive to me when I heard about it originally. And then, you know, I, you just walked up and introduced yourself one day <laughs> and it was, it was good. And we've been, we've been friendly ever since. So you, you, where did you move here from? 
I forget. Uh, we moved over from Tampa. Um, oh, okay. I, you know, with, throughout my career, I yeah, lived in New York, lived in Ohio for five years, and then uh, moved to Tampa for five years and right. started having a family. And um, we, we decided to move to the east coast of Florida because I grew up surfing. And uh-huh. And I wanted to be near the ocean where there was waves and right. the West coast of Florida doesn't have any waves <laughs> and, over there. Yeah. So it's beautiful, but there's no, <laughs> kind of a natural spot to end up in because we would just drive over from Tampa across Orlando and we ended up here in, in sort of that Melbourne satellite beach area. And, right. um, turns out we liked it here. Uh, so, cool. so we moved and we hope to stay. Nice. So you've, so you've lived kind of all over the place. Where, where did you, where'd you grow up? So we, I, I grew up in Miami, uh, born and raised in Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, one of three kids and, you know, have, uh, some interesting fun facts. I have 62 first cousins, so not wow. a, a small family, most of them in, in South America. Wow. Um, it, yeah, it's, it's fun. And today now with social media, we, we see a lot of them and sometimes communicate with a lot of them. So, wow. so that's kind of fun. So um, that puts a whole nother cast on, on you were telling me um, was a blue smile. The, uh, you're helping, helping out your cousin's company, yeah. uh, trying to get some, some break in here in North America. Uh, when you say, Oh, um, you know, it's my, it's my cousin's company. Now I know he's one of your 62 first cousins. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You have a lot of companies in this family. <laughs> and there, there are quite a few, but yes. Um, <laughs> You know, he's a, he's a Red Hat partner tech, uh, from a technology standpoint, IT consulting support services. Um, and and uh, they're trying to break into the U.S. They've been very successful in Latin America and uh, were invited to the U.S. at a conference uh, via uh, a, a very particular invitation from Red Hat uh, to attend that conference because they were the only person invited from Latin America to do that. Mm-hmm. So. So pretty neat. And, and so he was looking for some guidance here in the U.S. and, and uh, volunteered to help him out, uh, kind of break into that U.S. market. So, you know, your experiences that and I, I run into people I, I, who have had like really uh, specific geog- geography in their lives and, you know, born and raised in one area and haven't really, you know, lived elsewhere or done business elsewhere. But you've been, as you said, you've been in New York, you've been in Ohio, you've been all kind of the business environment is different in all those places. Um, maybe the, the personality of the people doing business in those areas is a little bit different too that I've seen. I will say though, um, on that comment, right, because my upbringing in Miami is very, very culturally diverse. Right. Um, and my, my parents traveled quite often, uh, you know, at least once a year, we'd go to Chile and visit the family and stay there for the summer months while we mm-hmm. were in, you know, off of school. And so um, we got very accustomed to multicultural and different backgrounds and different dynamics. And, and so everywhere we lived, we kind of had open arms and, and took it for what it represented and what it offered us, um, never kind of comparing one to the other. So we loved New York for what it was. We lived in the Poughkeepsie area. We went to the city often. Right. But the but the Poughkeepsie area was fantastic. I mean, a lot of people say Poughkeepsie, like that's run down. <laughs> but the Culinary Institute of America is right there. And fantastic restaurants that pop up from these chefs that come out and graduate. The Catskills are there. The Roosevelt Mansion is there. 
Yeah. Um, you know, the Vanderbilt mansion is there and there's, there's so much history there. So pretty neat. And then, you know, you get to, uh, we, we moved to Columbus, Ohio, and that was interesting because I always had this picture of Ohio, you know, steel mills and very dirty and industrial. Right. Uh, Columbus is the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> Columbus, Columbus is young, entrepreneurial, financial, insurance. Um, you know, Ohio State University plays a big role in, in the city of Columbus, which is great. So you have this energy that is exciting and, it, you know, it's just living there. We, we, we loved it, right? Yeah. We never had any complaints. I never compared it to Florida. I mean, that, why would we do that, right? There's yeah. No well, that's interesting. I mean, you kind of celebrate, as opposed to, you're not judging the differences, you're celebrating the differences or, or just sort of admiring what's, what's great about all these different places. And that's, and the people too there. I mean, oh, yeah. you're, you're, you're at least bilingual, aren't you? You're if yes, not multilingual. Yes. <laughs> Um, so, you know, that's, uh, you know, I, I, I think that's something that a lot of people kind of, uh, lose sight of as an opportunity, um, not just, you know, a business opportunity or anything like that, but it's just like a human opportunity. You're able to communicate with people in a different, in a more natural way than a translated way, you know? Um, like I, if I, if I, if, if someone around me is speaking Spanish, I have to kind of translate in my head the best way I can understand it, uh, into my non-Spanish speaking brain to try and understand what they mean, as opposed to actually hearing what they mean firsthand. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely, I, yeah, I get it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that makes any sense. It does. It does. I mean, (laughs) and, and I'll tell you very fluent in Spanish, but you know, we still, I still tend to think in English. Uh-huh. Um, but most recently, uh, helping my cousin out, you know, our conversations are in Spanish. So it's been helping me sort of re, you know, refactor and, and kind of now think in Spanish right. versus thinking in English and translating it in my head in Spanish and, and it's quicker and, and it's been great. So, um, you know, it's, it's kind of been exciting helping them out. Right. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, anything that gets your brain to work in a way oh, yeah. that yeah. you're not used to, or you've kind of forgotten how to is very cool uh, and helpful, I think. Um, so what, so what gave you the idea for your, you know, cause this is the thing entrepreneurs um, are full of nothing, if not ideas. Right. Um, why, why this one? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. Why this one? We, uh, I'll say we, but my wife and I, I've always had this um, concept of doing something and I never really had the idea. And, and to be honest, um, I, I realized in my years of sales, it it would have been nice. We had long, what they call sales cycles, right? First Mm -hmm. touch point to when the deal actually closed, sometimes six months, sometimes nine months, sometimes even longer. And, uh, but in between, there were lots of conversations. There were lots of material passed back and forth. And I wish I would have had something like what I have, what we built at Slideck uh, mm-hmm. back then. Today, um, somewhat, it somewhat exists. I'll say there, we have a competitive landscape that has um, what we do, a, a part of what we do maybe as a feature of their, right. plat- of their offering. Um, and they might be very full in their offering, but it's only a little piece of their offering. Well, we took that little piece that I felt was critical based on my experience in sales. And we said, we're going to focus around just this piece and not put all these other bells and whistles that make 
I felt like make the messaging diluted on, right. um, but this piece was really important. And this piece of around tracking or engage, well, originally it was tracking documents, but it's really not about that anymore. It's about um, how do I make this document come to life? How do I make it engaging? How do I put a, a, a chat window, if you will, right next to that document. So they, as they're looking through it, they can ping the seller or, or whoever sent the file. Right. And, and that to me is a, is a differentiator in and of itself, right? We're thinking about this piece and how do we make, you know, documents tell their own story versus, Hey, I'm, I'm tracking this guy who's looking at my stuff or this gal that's looking at my stuff. Right. It's right. not about that. It's really about how do I listen actively through all my channels and a document is one of those channels. Right. And, and if you give them an opportunity to, to communicate with you through that document at the time they're thinking about it at the time, it's important to them. I, I think that's that's really interesting to me is, is this idea of a, of being able to, you know, a, a chat window or whatever, whatever tool you have when, when I'm looking at the document and understanding it and I have a question right then and there, um, I don't have to jot it down and say, I, I have to call about this or, you know, email about this. I can actually ask it right then and there when I'm looking at it. That's, that's, right. that's invaluable. I would, I, I think anyway, I know that cause that's, cause that's how we think. It's not how, you know, <laughs> jotting down the important question to ask later is not the way the brain works. Yeah. Yeah. We, we saw, um, so about 25% of the recipients, uh, overall right now are using what we call those quick action buttons. Mm -hmm. Those, those, I'm going to ask a question or I'm going to, I'm going to say, Hey, I'd like to schedule some time to talk. Right. Right. And for, and that's just on our, our little bit of data, small, uh, subset of our subset of our customer base. And, and, um, and that's exciting to see because I, I honestly think we're going to get more and, and that 25% is going to go up, which is going to be interesting. And um, so people are, are kind of longing for quick action buttons. Right. And, and that'll drive again, as, as we're listening to those, the users and the recipients that, that receive these files and, and we look at what's going on with it, we can start to develop more and more of that application that suits their needs. Right. That's really, that's, that's sort of fascinating. It reminds me of, uh, I worked with a client of mine, uh, a big consulting company who uh, I worked with Deloitte on a, on a project for their customer, uh, Google. And they were talking all this research about the retail industry and how digital uh, technology impacts the way people um, shop and buy, not just online, but actually in the store. And uh, the, the reason I'm telling this long positioning this story this way is the one thing they kept talking about over and over again uh, at Google was removing friction from the experience. So uh, everything they talked about, all the data they were looking at, everything along the way was all about, you know, and they had all this great enlightened thinking about the numbers and what it meant and all this other stuff. But when they boiled it right down to it, it was like, let's remove the friction between the consumer and the purchase they're making or the consumer and the relationship they have with that retail operation. And that sounds a lot like what you're doing here is, is you're removing the friction um, between the, 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 the buyer or the, the potential, the prospect and the sale uh, or the seller. 
so that they're able to ask their question right away, schedule their meeting, you know, whatever it is, and there's nothing blocking them from doing that easily. That's right. That's right. And, and in the future here shortly, you know, you can transact there, right? So um, I, there's, there's lots of uh, feedback we're getting and, and all of that, we're taking all that input and making sure we understand it from a holistic view. Is that, is it industry specific? Is it just this customer asking for this? Is it, are we, are we building a customization? Because we, we would like to stay away from that. But at the same time, we look at that through the lens of how do we, how do we make this accessible to everybody? And is everybody right. having this problem? Let's go validate that. Right? right. And, and that's an exciting part of doing what we're doing right now is, is we're validating this stuff and we have a chance to validate it before we go build it. And, and that's exciting. So. That's cool. Well, and that, that puts you in that, that seat of being a, uh, um, you know, a thinker, a thought leader in, in this particular niche of this industry. Uh, which is invaluable as well. I mean, that's that's when you're when you're the one who's thinking about it differently than everybody else, and you're the one with the answer. Um, that's important. Yeah, I I think like the answer uh, lies in our in our customer base and the feedback we get. Um, and it and it's not that somebody has the answer, but at the aggregate, you will find the answer, right? Yeah. And you just have to understand what are people telling you and what's that motivation and what's that root issue that's driving what they're asking for. Right. And if you think about it in those terms, I mean, it, it's the possibilities are, it could be endless, right? Cause you yeah. come up with different ways of solutioning it and then you start to look at it in different ways. And then does that apply to the other industries and how can I make that apply to the other industries? And let's go talk to somebody over there that might have that issue and let's validate it. So it's, it's all very exciting and, um, you know, it, it all comes with data and, and, you know, we have access to the data. We, we don't sell our data. So that's a, that's a thing I'm, I'm pretty, um, adamant about, you know, right. unless, unless we anonymize this in, in an aggregate, we want to be able to come back and share to our customer base, some of this data, but obviously an aggregate and anonymized and, right. um, and, and that's going to be fun. So there's a, there's a long journey ahead of us, which is cool. <laughs> and, uh, and we're just excited. We're just getting started. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, I had a uh, um, was executive director of a, of a company I worked for who used to say, "In God we trust; all others bring data." Uh, so um, it's it's true. I mean, you know, if you, when you're making if your decisions are based in actual experience and actual um, you know observable um, data, it's you're going to have better decisions. Well, and, and that's, that's what leads us to providing this data to the user about the people they're sending documents to. Right. right. Again, I come back to documents are telling the story. Are you, are the sellers listening? You know, right. and that's the question we're asking, are the sellers listening? Right. Um, because today people just send PDF files via an email. Right. And, and off it goes into a black hole and kind of hope for the best. Yeah. And hope, hope for the best. Yeah. And, really. And then, then they wonder, well, what's a good effective follow-up call? Well, there's, uh, there's one that I can tell you that's not effective and it's like, Hey, have you read my document? <laughs> <laughs> and, and today there's lots of tools that'll give you a read received or, or right. you know, a click event that somebody clicked on the document or downloaded. It. And that's great. But we, we want to peel that onion uh, way down deep. And, and I think that's, 
that's what we're building and that's what we're focused on. Right. I mean, there's the, I, there's a quote I use all the time. John Wanamaker said a hundred years ago, um, half the money I spend on advertising is, is wasted. The trouble is I don't know which half. Uh, and that's, that's kind of what you're filling in the gaps here and saying, yeah. okay, now I'm spending on something, but now at least I know what's working and what's not. And that's, um, you know, that's uh, just because it's digital doesn't mean you get that answer all the time. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's interesting. So what's, so what's next? What's, what's, uh, where, where are you taking this? Where are you headed? You know, we talked a little bit about where you are and, and where you thought your product was when you launched and where you think it is now. Yeah, we're, we, we've acquired customers. We're, we're on our path for some growth here and some traction by the end of the year. Uh, we've got a healthy pipeline. Um, we're having great conversations and, and beyond just sales. Um, so we're having conversations about integrating into different places. We've been asked, you know, hey, would you integrate into our platform? So, um, you know, I think the sky's the limit. I can't, I, I don't know. Tactically, we, we've got a lot on our plate. Um, right. Strategically, we've got a vision. Um, and then everything else can always, uh, you know, put a curveball in there and you just got to be aware of that. So it's hard to say I've got a five-year plan on this one, but, right. um, you know, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> we've got an idea of what that is, but I think there, the way we get there could be, um, a million different paths, right? That's, that's another one that makes me think of it. It's a different kind <laughs> of quote. Um, it was uh, Mike Tyson always used to say, everybody has a game plan until you get punched in the face. And <laughs> I think at least the reason I bring that up in, in terms of this conversation is not about the punch. It's about how you're reacting to actual experience and actual, actual again, it's the data. You know, your experience tells you what's going on and you have to be able to react. So a five-year plan, yeah, it's nice to have. Uh, sort of a general guideline of where you're headed. But, um, you, you know, if anything in this last six months has taught any of us is you got to be able to adjust yeah. when yeah. something surprising happens. Absolutely. Absolutely. You got to be agile. You got to be flexible. You've got to, you know, look at things in a different perspective and not get upset because uh, things out of your control changed. And right. yeah, you can't do anything about that. So it's, it's how does that affect the business and what do you need to do to adapt um, the business to take advantage of it and, and not advantage of it in a bad way, but to, to pivot or, or change or modify. And, you know, like I told you earlier, we modified our messaging. It was, yep. It was a good opportunity to say, you know, this work environment is now a challenge. People right. weren't used to completely working remotely. They were right. used to the face-to-face -face sales and that has dwindled down a bit. Right. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's great. Thanks, Andy. I, I appreciate uh, your time on this and talking about, you know, your business, your experience and, and, and what you're headed for. I, I honestly, I think you have a fantastic product here. And it's just a matter of time before it, it, it makes the splash. It deserves to. Yeah, I appreciate it, Lyle. I think it was fun. It was enjoying. Uh, I enjoyed doing this. Um, it was fun. And, um, you know, I think uh, we've got a, a great road ahead of us. You know, we're looking at different industries. We, marketing is still one of those. Um, people are still gating content and getting an email. Uh, in return for an ebook or a PDF right. file or a white paper. And right. in my opinion, um, the marketer who loves data uh, can have so much more. And, and if they leverage our platform, they can get that so much more. And so yeah. um, it's, it, it's an exciting 
time to be an entrepreneur. I think it's always been an exciting time to be an entrepreneur. Uh, I just came a little late to the game <laughs> and started <laughs> a year ago. Um, but it's fun. So I appreciate it. Uh, thanks, Lyle. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much. So that was Andy Quintana and his creation called Slide Deck. It's still in the early stages, but they're gaining traction. It's a great product. You should definitely check it out, especially if you're in or run a sales operation. So stay safe out there. And I do indeed hope you're all remaining healthy and making the best choices for your families and friends and communities around you. Thanks for listening. If you find yourself enjoying the Story Forge, please give us a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you listen to these things. It helps others find the show and hopefully enjoy it as much as you do. All recording, editing, and executive producing tasks are handled by yours truly, Lyle Smith of NimbleSmith, the content marketing agency. This podcast would not be possible without the sincerely excellent help of our friend and associate producer, Anthony Sergi, who produces numerous podcasts, including the truly wonderful A Guest in the House about all things hip-hop. The music on the podcast was provided by Jody Nardone and the Jody Nardone Trio, Lights Will Guide You Home album. And if you'd like to send us questions or feedback or suggestions for other subjects or guests, you can reach us through the StoryForge website. That's thestoryforge.com, all words separated by hyphens. You can email us at cheers at nimblesmith.com, spelled N-Y-M-B-L-E-S-M-I-T-H dot com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>